Continuing our National League West Farm previews, we have the Arizona Diamondbacks, who have arguably the best one through four of any farm system in baseball, as well as a ton of interesting arms. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, the number one sportsbook in America. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. So the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, spoiler alert, I really like this system. I'm going to try my best to keep this show to the typical 28 to 30 minutes and no promises here because there's a ton of talent in this system, a ton of great pitching depth, and probably the easiest of any of the teams that we've previewed so far to be able to say, yes, in the like going forward, you can see exactly how everybody is staggered and how you're going to be able to bring them up in the right pattern and at the right time to make that big league team into potentially a juggernaut. So, number one prospect in the system, spoiler alert, your favorite for Rookie of the Year in the National League, outfielder Corbin Carroll. 2019 first rounder out of high school, 5'10", 170. And just, obviously, lost 2020. Only got seven games in 2021 because he had a shoulder injury. He tore his labrum and the capsule in his shoulder. And so, uh, 2022, a little bit of question as to how he was going to do and got about 93 games in the minors before they called him up. Uh, and, and in those 93 games, 307, 425, 611 slash line. We talk about 300, 400, 500 makes a dude. He hit a 600 there in the slugging. 24 home runs, 54 extra base hits in 93 games, 67 walks to 107 strikeouts and 31 of 36 on stolen bases. Just so we can throw it out there, the big league stats in 32 games, 260, 330, 500, four home runs, 15 extra base hits, eight walks to 31 strikeouts, two to three on stolen bases. So the thing you need to know about Corbin Carroll, one, he's just incredibly good. Uh, He is the fastest base runner in this system. This legitimately is 80 grade speed. When you look at, like now that we have Statcast and we have Hawkeye and we have all of this advanced tracking stuff at the MLB level, in the length of time that we've had that, so I want to say eight years or so, uh, his top sprint speed was the second fastest ever recorded. It's legitimately 80 grade speed, and he uses that speed to make fantastic catches in the outfield. Probably the only tool of Corbin Carroll's that is not plus or better is his arm. The arm is fringe to average and, you know, something where, yeah, you're going to have to use a relay, man, if you're trying to catch a guy at the plate. But other than that, Corbin Carroll gives you everything you need. Despite the size, again, 5'10", 170, he gets, uh, fanta- he gets fantastic power. Uh, and part of that is barrel control and part of it's pitch recognition, right? So he's able to identify this is a pitch that I can drive and then get the barrel on it and square it up. 
And part of that is because of the athleticism. He's very good biomechanically as far as his swing. Being able to get the proper rotation from his core all the way through uh, to, to get every bit of power that his body has into the ball. Uh, he does use the entire field. I've watched him hit opposite field homers. I want to say his first two home runs, uh, one of them was to left and one of them was to center. And, you know, as a as a left-handed hitter, you would expect, that, you know, obviously he's going to pull stuff to right. So he can hit with power to the entire field. Uh, it's it's it, the complete package. I mean, Corbin Carroll is just about the complete package. Obviously not a five-tool player because of the arm, but four-tool player. I see a very, very little reason why he does not. I mean, there's no reason why he doesn't open up, as long as he's healthy, open up the season as the starting center fielder in Arizona. He's going to be in it for Rookie of the Year. Obviously, there's a draft pick comes along with that. They want that. There's a little bit of, ch- of swing and miss and chase in there as he adjusts to big league breaking stuff, big league off speed. Struggled a little bit against lefties. Not anything I'm super concerned with. I, st- I genuinely think there's a reason he's the number one uh, num- n- number one odds for Rookie of the Year in the National League. Uh, number two prospect in this system, and up front, not considered a prospect by everybody, catcher Gabriel Moreno, 2016 IFA by, by Toronto, and was traded in the Dalton Varsho deal this offseason. So to kind of clarify, MLB rules... There's three thresholds. If you clear any of those three, you're no longer a rookie. 130 at-bats, he didn't do that. 50 innings pitched, if you're a pitcher, obviously doesn't apply. Or 45 days on an active roster. He spent 61 days on the active roster. So MLB Pipeline doesn't have him listed in here. Baseball America does. A lot of folks still included him, despite technically not being a prospect, because he hasn't hit that at-bat threshold yet. He actually only got, I want to say he got 69 at-bats in the big. So his numbers in the minors in AAA, again, with Toronto's organization, so in Buffalo, in 62 games, 315, 386, 420. Three home runs, 19 extra base hits, 24 walks to 45 strikeouts, and 7-8 on stolen bases. Uh, in MLB in those 25 games, 319, 356, 377, one home run, two extra base hits, four walks to eight strikeouts. Power's not a big part of his game. I think that if he wanted to hit for power, he'd be a 15 home run guy. But uh, he's he has very, very good, like fantastic contact rates. Uh, the hit tool is probably a 70 grade. He is very, very good, very good eye discernment. He's good with taking something on the on the uh, the far side of the plate, you know, that's that's kind of away from him and shooting into the opposite field, has a very good two-strike approach. He kind of understands the first two strikes are mine. Once I get to two strikes, this at-bat is now the team's at-bat. And so he gets a little more conservative. He's more willing to just knock, like to just blast a line drive or even to hit a ground ball if it gets the runner over, that kind of stuff. But... It's he's very very good at picking up spin out of the hand, uh, and so offensively, not really any questions. Again, you wish the power was a little bit bigger. I think he could get to 15 home runs if he wanted to, but uh, you're not going to turn down a catcher that could bat over 300. That's just offensively that position is so poor that that makes him 
that probably would give him the highest batting average of any catcher full-time in the major leagues. Defensively, plus defender, plus arm, despite being 40 speed at best. Uh, He's played other positions. He's played some, I want to say at left field, second base, third base. He's got the athleticism and the flexibility, but he's absolutely, like, he's going to be your future at catcher. He will obviously uh, probably be in a timeshare next year. He is the catcher of the future. He has all-star potential behind the plate. The defense is very good as well. Like, this was a very smart trade. They said, we have a lot of left-handed hitting outfielders. And so, if we ship out Dalton Varsho and his 27 home runs and things like that to Toronto, we can get back a catcher of the future. So, it was a good trade. And as much as I love Dalton Varsho, I think this was the right move for the, uh, for the Diamondbacks to solidify that catching position for the next five years. Number three prospect in the system, shortstop Jordan Lawler. So 2021 first rounder out of high school, got 100 games last year. Uh, 303, 401, 509. There's that 300, 400, 500 slash line we keep talking about. Like, like I said, this top one through four is all very, very good. Uh, now, he, he did that in combined low A, high A, double A. His stats did progressively, like his stat line, his slash line did come down in every level. So it's something where you're probably going to have him back in double A Amarillo, but be mindful, he was 19 years old for this entire thing. So you're not like upset with where the slash line ended up at any level. The overall line, like I said, was good. 303-401-509, 16 home runs in those 100 games, 41 extra base hits. 57 walks to 115 strikeouts and 39 of 45 on stolen bases. Offensively, he's got above average power to all fields. He can get it everywhere. And then the hit tool, I think, is going to end up at plus. Uh, he does really well with velocity. So he can, he can square up on velocity. He can get around to it in just like in enough time. And it's biomechanically, he has a pretty, he has a nice little leg kick that lets him get a good load and transfer that power into the swing. Now, he does have some issues with, uh, with chase, things like that. He does chase spin, so something to work on there. But either way, I do think, like I said, plus hitting above average power at the major league level. Uh, for Jordan Lawler, defensively, he should be plus when he gets to the bigs. Uh, he has a plus arm. A lot of his errors last year, were defensive. And a lot of those errors were throwing errors. The range is good. The hands are good. The instincts are good. You know, the transfer, all of that's really nice. But uh, it, it, it's just something where he rushed some of those throws. And so cleaning that up a little bit, I think is going to take him to the next level as a defender. And again, I think he's going to end up as a plus defender. Going back to double A Amarillo is probably the right trick. Double A, triple A, you're looking at if he follows the same development as some of these other guys like a Corbin Carroll, you'd look for him in a best case scenario to get a late season call up, get a taste of big league pitching, and then hopefully open 2024 as your starting shortstop. But again, that is an aggressive scenario. If he spends all season in double A with a late season adjustment, uh, move up to triple A, understand that that's not a failure. It's just that's the more realistic scenario. I'm trying to give you the optimistic scenario if you're excited about this guy and want to see what he can do at the big league level. Number four prospect in the system, outfielder Drew Jones. 2022 first rounder, 
hasn't played any. He had a shoulder injury right after the draft towards Labrum, literally the first day of batting practice after he signed. So not a ton of updates here as far as, like he's essentially the same player he was in the draft. Speed is 70, arm is plus, comes out to be probably a 70 grade defender. So already the best outfield defender in this system. Spoiler alert for the superlatives later. Uh, we saw in his last year of, of high school, he got a lot better at not chasing breaking balls out of the zone. We've already seen him be able to handle velo, be able to handle spin. A little bit of questions about how he would do against some lefties as well as facing a really good changeup. You just don't see a lot of really good changeups on the prep circuit. But for the most part, uh, we're just waiting to see him actually debut next year. In just a minute, I want to get to the state of the pitching. I love these pitchers in here. This is going to be the hardest segment to keep in at a normal time. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. We are very excited to have FanDuel as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. There is tons of things to, to just love with FanDuel. Uh, it is the number one sportsbook in America for a reason. You can bet Super Bowl 57 right now. Get a no-sweat first bet. You'll get $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You can bet money line, point spreads, who will score a touchdown, all of that. And it's on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And you can get paid your winnings instantly as soon as the Super Bowl is over. Or if you are here for the Arizona Diamondbacks and you want to look at that, there's some really interesting odds out there for the Diamondbacks. So odds of making the playoffs plus 5,000, and winning the World Series, plus 12,000. Feels like it's still a year early for that, but some of the individual player props are really interesting. Two guys on the board for MVP, Christian Walker, who had a fantastic year at first base last year, I believe he won the Gold Glove in the National League, and Corbin Carroll, both at plus 20,000 odds for MVP. Two guys on the list for Cy Young, Zach Gallen, plus 1,600, Merrill Kelly, plus 10,000, and then like I said earlier, your rookie of the year favorite in the National League at plus 350 is Corbin Carroll. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to, for, the, for football, claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57, or go out there and take advantage of some of these props on some of these players. Again, FanDuel.com slash, uh, slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL and the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, welcome back into Locked On MVP Prospects, uh, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Looking at the state of the pitching in the Diamondbacks system, uh, love these guys. There's four I'm going to get to. Just know that there's a lot more I could have talked about. Like, we're not even going to get to Landon Sims out of Mississippi State, the first-round supplemental last year, who I think, uh, if he even if he doesn't work out as a starter, is going to end up being a lights-out closer. But... Brandon Fought, 2022 fifth rounder out of Bellarmine University, which I think is in Kansas. I'm sorry, Kentucky. It's in Kentucky. 6'4", 220. Got in 29 games between AA and AAA last year. 3.83 ERA and 167 innings pitched with 218 strikeouts. Led all of the minor leagues. That was the most strikeouts anybody has had in a minor league season since like 2001. Uh, 11.7 strikeouts per nine. So part of that is the volume. He threw a lot of innings, but part of that also is just the skill. 33 walks, so 1.8 per nine. Love how few walks there. 28 home runs allowed, which the home run rate wasn't anything outside of ordinary, 
And so that's just also kind of a function of the volume because he threw 167 innings. The thing here is, was a two-pitch pitcher before last year. It was a fastball and a slider, and that's really kind of it. Uh, The fastball is a plus. Fastball sits 93 to 94, can touch 97. Really unique because it, it, it has cutting action, but it also has really good carry up in the zone. And that's one of those things we don't typically see a fastball have both of those things. So makes it a little bit tougher to deal with than an average fastball. Uh, and part of the reason it's a plus pitch is it's just such an unusual pitch. Also 6'4", 220, so kind of, you know, the, the little bit of a different angle to see a cutter out of. Uh, to go along with that, he has a slider, also a plus pitch, 80 to 84, tons of horizontal sweep to it. So it's a nice horizontal picture there between the fastball and the slider. The, so you got a good velocity difference. You've got the movement there. And then he made a, did a lot of work and really improved the changeup last year. And the changeup went from below average to above average now. Uh, what I like about it is the changeup runs the other direction from everything else. So it's a fantastic uh, horizontal picture. And, I mean, he can, he can throw it. <laughs> they all start in the same place, but it could end up a foot and a half one direction or a foot and a half in the other. It makes it very difficult if you're facing Brandon Fott, to be comfortable in the batter's box. Because this pitch that starts off middle-middle could end up in the other batter's box, or it could hit you. And you never know what it's going to do until it's halfway to the plate. Very, very good profile. Uh, He does have a curveball. Uses it kind of early in the counts. It's solidly below average right now. I think that if he could make that, if it was a vertical breaking curveball, that he could get to average you're looking at a dude that would move up from a number three to, you know, challenge for a number two or maybe even a number one. Like, I think he's that close because the fastball and the slider are that good. You get a little bit more velo on the fastball. You get some more vertical movement and some more consistency from the curveball. You've got an absolute dude. Everything comes out the same slot. The delivery repeats every time. So tons of consistency. The control's plus, and he just pounds the zone with strikeouts. I already like Brandon Fought right now. Again, if you can work on that curveball a little bit, I think you have one of the best pitching prospects in baseball if you can do that. So, uh, another pitcher, Ryan Nelson, the right-hand pitcher out of Oregon. He was a second-rounder in 2019. 6'4", 190. Got 26 games in AAA last year. And the stat line isn't necessarily great for what he did in AAA. 5'4", 3 ERA in 136 innings, 128 strikeouts, so 8.4 per nine, uh, to 47 walks, 3.1 per nine, and 25 home runs allowed. Got in three games at the big league level last year, 18 and a third innings, so average six innings to start, which you love to see. 147 ERA, six walks to 16 strikeouts in those 18 innings. Uh, what he does, the, the, the fastball... Plus fastball, sits around 95 or so, has really good life up in the zone. Uh, To go along with that, the slider is above average, kind of a firmer uh, slider there, with a slower vertical breaking curveball. The slider and and curveball both are vertical breakers. Uh, They're they're never on at the same time. He's, He's either got one or got the other, which is a little frustrating. Uh, He does have a changeup, which is... It, when it's on, 
It's a plus pitch with good run, but it's not always on. So some of the consistency here is what you need. It's not the delivery. The delivery's clean. He can repeat it really well, so he throws tons of strikes. It's just working on some of those pitches. He's really good, very cerebral pitcher. He's very good on the pitchability, getting a plan, working on that plan, uh, and executing it very well. Uh, So something where you want to see more consistency from the changeup as well as those secondaries, but you saw the results for Ryan Nelson. Very good at the big league level, granted a small sample size, but I expect him to challenge for a rotation spot in spring training, and if not, he'd go back to AAA, would continue working on improving some of those pitches, and he'd be a midseason call-up. Obviously, you need seven, eight, nine, ten guys who can make starts throughout the course of a season. So you're going to have to have him at some point. Maybe he can figure out a wipe a wipeout secondary pitch while he's down there. But either way, the fastball is good enough to be competitive at the big league level. Another pitcher that I love, because I love so many of these guys, right-hand pitcher Dre Jamison, 2019 first rounder out of Ball State. Six foot, 165. Kind of a trend here of a lot of these pitchers are undersized. Blake Walston's the next guy. He's like 6'5", 175. A lot of these guys seem to be a little bit undersized. Don't know if that's an intentional thing or a coincidence, but either way, 26 games for Dre Jamison between AA and AAA last year. 25 of those were starts. 6-3-1 ERA in 132 and two-thirds innings. 132 strikeouts, so 9 per 9, to 46 walks, 3.1 per 9, 21 home runs allowed. Uh, fastball is fantastic. Sits, uh, it's probably a 65 grade. 97 where it averages, touches 100. There's times when it doesn't move a ton and it can get rocked. So he added a two-seamer to it, sits 94, but has a lot of late movement in on the hands. So very effective pitch for that two-seamer. The slider is a 70 grade. And the thing is, normally it's kind of got like sharp late movement to it. But he can vary the speed. He can vary the shape of it as well. So it takes the place of you don't have to have a bunch of other secondaries because the slider can be multiple different kind of things. He does have a curveball, kind of average. Has a changeup, again, kind of average. Fantastic athlete, though. One of the fastest base runners. Not that that matters in the organization. A lot of fast guys here. Corbin Carroll, incredibly fast as well. Uh, But... That athleticism helps him get that velo despite being a little bit undersized. Uh, for, so for Dre Jameson, I still want to see the command get a little bit better. And then the big league numbers, he did also get up a little bit last year. I mentioned 6.95 ERA in AAA. He got four starts at the big league level, 24 and a third innings, so about six innings a start, 1.48 ERA with seven walks to 24 strikeouts. So... Uh, looked a lot better at the big league level. Kind of says like, hey, in the minors, they're working on stuff more so than they're necessarily trying to win games. They're here to develop. They're not here to win games. Uh, again, like Dre Jamison to start off contending for a starting job out of spring training. Uh, Blake Walston, the only lefty in this group, but 2019 first rounder out of high school, 6'5", 175, got 25 games between high A and double A last year. All starts. 4.79 ERA in 124 innings pitched, 137 strikeouts, so 9.9 per nine, to, 4 point, uh, to, to 46 walks, 3.3 per nine, 16 home runs allowed. Throws tons of strikes. The fastball, it's average, sits in the low 90s, 91 to 92, can touch 96. It's just not necessarily consistent. 
The velo doesn't stay there from start to start. The velo doesn't always stay there in the game. And I think some of that comes back to physical development. 6'5", 175. He's got plenty of room to add uh, healthy weight and add muscle behind it. The changeup is a 60-grade changeup. And I love what he did last year. He figured out the changeup and what he wanted it to feel like out of the hand by throwing a football pregame. So he would go out in the outfield with one of his teammates and he's just chucking a football back and forth. And it would kind of help him feel what he wanted the changeup to feel like when it came out. So really interesting there. Um, has a curveball and a slider. Slider's probably above average. Curveball's kind of average. The sliders seem to be more consistent, uh, but neither one of them was great. So looking to improve those a little bit. Good thing is, good athlete. The delivery is incredibly repeatable. Throws tons of strikes. A trend here, a lot of these guys have repeatable deliveries and throw tons of strikes, which I love. So this is something, looking at him as a number four, number five, back-end guy right now, if you can improve some of those secondaries and get the fastball velo to be more consistent and a little bit better, you're looking at him moving to a, a, a mid-range, a number three, maybe even a number two if all of those things get better at the same time. In just a minute, I want to get to the superlatives in this system. A lot of things to love about these guys. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. If you're trying to eat healthy on road trips, we're getting ready for spring training. A lot of people are heading to Arizona or are heading to Florida, depending on where you live, to go check out their teams and check out some of these prospects. You got to look at Built Bars. Uh, 100% real chocolate, so they taste good. They fill that need you have while you're in the car for uh, candy and snacks, but they're also good for you. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. So what's great about them is the protein keeps you full. So you're not constantly snacking on stuff on the entire drive because you feel full thanks to the protein. The flavors are fantastic. Churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, things like that. You can go to Built.com, check out the list of all of the fantastic flavors, get whatever you need. And then if you're traveling, if you're on your road trip and you notice that there are, that you are low on Built Bars, Swing by your local, swing by the closest Walmart. Go to the pharmacy section, get a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puff, or go to Sam's and get a thirteen-bar box of brownie batter and churro. Uh, other than that, everything else, all the other flavors, available at Built.com. Okay, so superlatives for this Arizona Diamondback system: your power tools only as good as your hit tool goes to corner infielder. Devison De Los Santos, 2019 IFA, not a massively huge guy when you look at the power, uh, 6'1", 185, yet the power is 65 grade. Got in 126 games last year between low A, high A, and double A. 306, 348, 499. 22 home runs, 53 extra base hits, 34 walks to 147 strikeouts, and 5 of 6 on stolen bases. So, 90th percentile exit velocity is fantastic. The bat speed is fantastic. When the swing is on, it's a tight, compact swing that gets in the zone really quickly and lingers in the zone for a long time. The issue is the swing isn't always on. He kind of messes around with mechanics, trying to see if something's better or not, and so the swing can get long. And then he's a little aggressive at the plate. So he's swinging early and often. And if you understand that, if you've scouted him correctly and you're throwing spin, especially a slider down and away or just away, you can strike him out. 
Now, he's in a situation kind of like Ellie De La Cruz, where he's been able to keep a, like a, a good batting average at just about every level. It hasn't really hurt him a lot yet. It's a 10-game sample in AA Amarillo, so I'm kind of throwing that out. But 329 in low A, 278 in high A, and the slugging was within seven points of each other, both of them over 500. So it hasn't really come back to bite him yet, but I think it's going to in double A. He has to get a little bit better with pitch recognition, again, especially when it comes to spin away. So something to work on there. And he's going to have to figure out the offense because defensively, uh, he's got, he has some some deficiencies. Uh, He speeds below average. The defense is solidly below average. I mean, it's probably a 45 speed, 40 defense at third base. The arms only average. And so last year, he played 94 games at third and 25 games at first. But when he went to the Arizona Fall League, 17 games, 14 of those were at first base. So it's something where depending on how he continues to, I mean, he's only 19 years old, what kind of weight he puts on, things like that, you're definitely looking at a scenario where he's going to have to move to first base, which means he has to figure this out. Now, offensively, the upside is stupid. The upside is so fantastic. He has one of the highest ceilings offensively in the system because that power is so good. He just has to be more consistent with the swing and get better pitch recognition for Devison De Los Santos. Uh, the breakout prospect in this system, this was a hard one. I looked at a couple guys. Blaze Alexander. I like what he I like what he did when he got to AAA last year, small sample size. Ivan Melendez, the first baseman he was drafted last year, but just absolutely is fantastic. Second round pick out of UT Austin, uh, UT Austin, out of University of Texas. Austin's the main campus. University of Texas last year. He won the Golden Spikes Award, which is was created by USA Baseball, sponsored by the Players Association for the best amateur player in the country. He also won the Dick Hauser Trophy, which is the National College Baseball Writers Association version of baseball's Heisman, I guess. Disclosure, I'm a voter in that award, and I voted for Ivan Melendez. Uh, I think he's going to move quickly through this system, and I really like what he does. But he's actually not my breakout. So the breakout that I have here is left-hand pitcher Yu Min Lin, 2021 IFA out of Taiwan. Uh, Didn't sign for a ton of money. I want to say he was $525,000, which is a lot of money to us, but to these big league teams, isn't a lot at all. And did really well. So he got... Seven games in rookie ball in seven games in low A. Rookie ball, 23 innings pitched, 2-3-5 ERA, 41 strikeouts, so 16 strikeouts per nine to six walks. 2.3 per nine, did not give up a home run. When he got to low A, seven starts, 33 and a third inning. So he's going deeper into all of these starts. Uh, still still not hitting five, but that was more of them stopping them stopping him versus him needing to come out. 2.97 ERA, 50 strikeouts, 13.5 per nine, to 16 walks, 4.3 per nine, two home runs allowed. Throws a ton of pitches. Has an above average fastball, uh, a changeup, a slider, a cutter, a curveball, a sinker, and then has a variation, like a different grip changeup that kind of works like a screwball. Throws a ton of stuff. The issue here, well, Couple issues. One, the sinker and the changeup kind of look similar. So don't necessarily love that. And then the real issue that you have to work on 
He's 5'11", 160, and you can see that he's got physical development to do because of the velocity. He sits around 89 to 90 and touches 93. I know we've talked before about left-hand pitchers having a little bit below average velocity. Like, it's just, it feels like, compared to a righty, lefties on average sit a little bit slower, but your fastball has to be better than 90 miles an hour. That's just, that's just the way it is. And so we've got to figure out how much physical development he can do. And the ultimate ceiling for you, Min Lin, is how much velocity, as he matures, Grant, I mean, he was young, he was 19 years old last year. As he matures, how much velocity can he add to both the fastball and the slider? Really, I think both of those could use a little bit more. And depending on where that goes is the ceiling. Some of the stuff I've seen from the offseason looked pretty good. I'm hopeful that you're going to see him uh, sit maybe, instead of, instead of touching 93, sitting maybe 92, 93. But love what you Min Lin can do. He just needs to do it faster. He just needs to do it harder. He needs to throw more. He has a lot of pitches, uh, a lot of, a lot of, Really good sequencing, kind of throws guys off with just randomly dropping a change up, stuff like that. Just needs to do it harder. Uh, best outfield defender, I've already mentioned that, Drew Jones. Again, tough to kind of just say, yeah, he's the guy without seeing him play in a big league game, but we saw plenty of him in high school. He was at the high-level showcases that had the track man and all that stuff. But even if it wasn't him, Corbin Carroll would still be uh, you know, a 60-grade or 65-grade defender anyway. So embarrassment of riches in the outfield for the Diamondbacks if everybody develops. And tomorrow, wrapping up this series with the Colorado Rockies, called up Ezekiel Tovar last year, got him some time at the bigs, and looking at him to hopefully be the starting shortstop in Colorado to open this season. In the meantime, if you have questions for the mailbag on Monday, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, shows on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, lockedonmlbprospects at gmail.com, or Drop your questions in the Locked on MLB Prospects Discord. Link is in the episode description, and the link is in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects. Uh-huh.